Hello, and welcome back to Games and Schools and Libraries. I am your elegant host, Kathleen Mercury, and I'm super excited because I actually have two good friends on the show with me today, and we're here to talk about games and how you get kids engaged in games, and sometimes how you get kids re-engaged in games when they tend to wander. So first, I'd like to welcome Adrian Ezel. Adrian, say hello. Hi. Yeah. So Adrian, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a game designer and a graphic designer and art director. I've been doing um, board game design for about three years and graphics for board games for about three years as well. And now I'm stepping into the teaching role and trying to give something back to my community by uh, teaching games at our local library system, which only has 15 locations. So I'm sure I haven't gotten in over my head or anything. (laughs) I'm sure it's fine. All right, and we also have the elegant, suave, soigné Kevin Crowther, future, uh, I'm sorry, future, past guest of the show. (laughs) Welcome back, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, so tell everybody a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Well, I am a high school math teacher by education, uh, and I do teach math classes, but uh, I was also inspired by this fabulous, elegant lady, Kathleen Mercury, to uh, teach board game design. And so I also teach a game design class at, at my high school. Um, I've been working on a couple of different podcasts. I'm a host of currently the Cardboard Jungle. And I'm also a part owner in a brand new startup publishing company that hopefully you guys hear about sometime soon when we actually sign a game. <laughs> cool. That's so exciting. Yeah, we're look we we've got a few thi- few games that we're looking at signing and we're pretty excited about all of them. So, uh hopefully we get things rolling pretty quick on that. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. That that's so cool. I mean, especially, you know, um it's one thing to be, you know, player, but it's another thing to be, you know, part of the world too, part part of the industry, you know, like I've gone that avenue by, you know, more and more with game design. You're going through that route with publishing. Mm-hmm. Adrian is good friends with us both now, of course, <laughs> because of both. <laughs> um, so that's cool. So, you know, it's funny because Kevin and I are both teachers and I mean, I'll be honest, I hate the first day of school. It's, you know, it's awkward for everybody. You know, what do you do to kind of, you know, get the kids to like know you, but they're also just exhausted from going through all these different classes and basically being talked to and all this other stuff. And and in a lot of ways, you know, Adrian may be feeling the same way. I don't know. I don't mean to put words in your mouth and you can jump here in a second. But, you know, when you have, when you're going into some sort of like classroom, you know, teaching setting, you know, who's going to be there? What are they going to expect from me? What are they going to do? And it can be really, really stressful. I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, even then the first day of school and meeting new students, there's a bit of anxiety. Adrian, how are you feeling? No, that's it to the T. Like I'm, I'm worried about keeping the room engaged, considering there's one of me and I have no idea at this point how many children will show up. Apparently in their summer programs, they have about 12,000 kids come through. Wow. Um, so, uh, Please let them all come to you. No, once. negative captain. Um, Werewolf, so longest I, game ever. Yes. Or just the most bored kids who will never come back and will decide that games are stupid. So honestly, it's it's the anxiety about what are they going to expect? And then it's that 
anxiety about fulfilling what I want to do, which is to have them leave and be gamers for life. Like, mm-hmm. I want them to love it. I want them to seek out games. And, you know, obviously that's, we know from, from having done this, that strengthens relationships. If you're playing with your family, you're going to get along better with your family. If you're playing with other kids, you're, I mean, you're learning social skills. You can't not learn something when you're playing a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, Kevin, do you like the first day of school? I actually, I do like the first day of school, uh, but I also work with high schoolers, so they're a little bit more understanding of what to expect the first day of school. And you know, I kind of look at it as being on stage and just trying to entertain and get information across and let my personality come through and start to build those relationships. So I actually kind of like it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I think, and that's one thing we can go into details, but I think with um, relationships, I think that one of the biggest surprises to me after I've been teaching, you know, five, six, seven years uh, was how important my relationship with kids really were. Mm -hmm. And it's had a big effect in terms of like how I view myself as an educator so much so that, you know, I'm prone to making statements like, you know, um, teachers teach kids, not content, you know, very much like a people first, you know, kind of uh, feeling, you know, and the relationships that I build with kids are incredibly important because like, for example, the game design class is really, really hard. It's a lot of work. It's the longest project these kids have ever had. And at the end, their projects aren't done because, hey, they'll never really be done, will they? No. You know, so you have to have the ability you know, to build relationships. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm successful. Sometimes I feel like I'm not as much, but to build relationships with kids is super, super important. Now, when you've got a bunch of kids wandering in, um, <laughs> from this 12,000 <laughs> horde beating outside the library door, um, that can be a little bit unnerving. Um, so you had some questions that you prepared for us ahead of time. So let's start hacking away at that. And we'll, um, I'm sure throwing lots of other stuff in there to help you. All right. Sounds good. So my first question was, um, since I don't have six or eight copies of the same game, I'll need to teach multiple games. How can I make sure everybody is having fun while I can only be in one place at one time? Okay. Kevin. Well, I guess the first thing that I would ask, because I have been involved in library programs with games and kids and families, do you have any extra help, like extra volunteers no, it's going to be me and some children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and do you have any idea? You have no idea how many kids are going to show up at any given time. No, I don't. And I am um, actually, I'm not sure what size room they're going mm. to put us in. I would say there may be 20 little bodies in the room at a time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the things that I would consider doing in a case like that is maybe playing games that have higher player counts. Uh, for example, like resistance or werewolf, especially kids really, really seem to like social deduction games, especially at first. So whether it's resistance, werewolf, Avalon, coup, uh, those types of games would go over really well. And you can get a lot of people involved all at once. And the rule sets tend to be relatively simple. So if you can get those kids, maybe half of the group involved in one game and then get them going and then kind of head over and work with the other kids who are maybe not as interested in, you know, a King Arthur theme game or a, you know, uh, sci-fi theme game, then, you know, go over and help the next group. The other thing that I actually think works is 
if you've got a small group that wants to play a game or, or you have something out, um, just asking them, maybe you have 20 kids. Let's say you have five groups, right? Have them all pick a game and tell them to pick someone to kind of be the group leader and at least start setting the game up. And then once one of the groups has the game set up, then you can start going into basic rules explanations and get them started. Say, okay, so now that we've got this started, if you have any questions, just call me back over. And then you can kind of pop from group to group to group as they're getting games set up and getting ready to actually learn how to play. I think that might be a good way to do it too. Yeah, that sounds really good. I had thought about teaching one game to the entire room, mm-hmm. getting people started. And then maybe, like you said, three groups was exactly what I was thinking, like three separate tables. And then starting the other two groups on their games as well that I wouldn't have. Like I said, I don't have multiple copies of the same game because I'm going to be using my collection. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this goes over really well, you know, the libraries will start start getting games in. But um, and, you know, then teaching the other games and then kind of having the round robin where they switch tables. So if I've got shorter Mm playtime, then at least that one game I know people know how to play. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? So yeah. then I'm trying to do two tables, but but that's still, I mean, if I could if I could just have two groups, that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if they were quick enough to teach two games, but they're not going to retain that, I don't think. Do you? Not all at once. Like just teach no. in the, at the beginning. Yeah. Well, it depends on what it is. That's true. So my suggestions mm-hmm. are: first of all, um, I think I have a copy of. Um, I found it online, so you could too. Of and it's oh, it's on BGG. I remember that's where I got it from. Scooby Doo Werewolf. So you nice. can have them play werewolf without getting bloody, gory, and gutsy. If the kids are on the younger side, I played that with kids. I think going into like first, second grade, um, and I think it was part of a summer camp program. So I even showed them like an episode of Scooby Doo, so they got the idea of it because they didn't even really know it. Um, there's also I've heard great things, and I would love a copy of this one of the um, Harry Potter werewolf that was played at. Um, Dice Tower. Apparently, I was talking with one girl who played it, and she was Bellatrix Lestrange, and she said she just she really felt like she was in Harry Potter. She said it was just such a great immersive experience. So the other thing too would be is you know um, if there's any like you know kids you know Scooby Doo Werewolf would be the go to since it's already done, but maybe if there's like a you know kids book where it's like characters or something like that if you wanted even to like you know you know i don't know spongebob werewolf or something like that make up your own but the (laughs) scooby-doo werewolf i highly recommend um and it does have some a few other like special abilities to throw in the nice thing about uh werewolf um games like avalon that sort of thing is especially since there's a script you can tell them exactly what to do every single time and they don't have to worry that they're going to forget a rule, you know? And I think that's really important when you're playing with little kids. Um, the other thing too, with little kids is like making sure they cover up their eyes really well. Cause sometimes <laughs> they will peek. Um, but then again, if a kid peeks and you know, you see them, then you can just always have the werewolf pick them off and take them out the next time too. So you can like, Oh, it's weird. You're peeking last time. And now you just got eaten. Hmm. Crazy pass. Um, <laughs> My next suggestion is a little scandalous, but I would say have on hand games they are already familiar with. Sorry. Um, you know, I dare not say the M word 
lest it bring its name in. Um, but hey, I it's fine. Find... It's fine to play that. It's long. <laughs> well, I wouldn't just because it's so long. You know, that's probably the worst. Well, part not if you it. play it the right way. Well, ugh, we're not going to. Blockus. I mean, look for good kids' games that they're already familiar with and ha- and have those on hand, too, because chances are there will be some kids that know how to play those games, have a copy of Checkers, have a copy of Chess. I mean, because honestly, they want you to play games. And yeah, you're, you're right. You can't introduce three new games at once. So don't put that pressure on yourself. You know, have other games that kids can play, Othello, you know, or games that are so fast to teach, like Othello, if you you know the kids don't have they don't know how to play it because that one you can teach so quickly, you know, and they can get the idea of it and then just go from there. But especially if you've got a lot of younger kids coming in playing games that they know how to play, Uno. I mean, Uno to me is like you know pulling teeth yeah. and then watching a video of it in slow motion. But on the other hand, you know, kids know it, they like it, they don't know any better, and that's okay. Suro. I'm looking at um, right now on my website, kathymercury.com, for those of you who don't know, um, where I put all of my game design resources for free. I'm looking at my game club page. I'm looking at all of my games. So there's a bunch listed on here. Um, But Suro is great. I would go for games, especially at the very beginning, for your sake and for their sake, that are really, really simple. Um, The other thing I would suggest, so, I mean, short, fun, fast um, games. The other thing I would suggest are dexterity games, as long as they're not too, like, crazy, crazy. Uh, But dexterity games, kids move, they get to stand, they get to balance things. And so that's kind of nice, too, when, you know, if you've got little jumpy bodies who they don't want to sit still and, like, because sometimes you have kids that are more doers than thinkers you know mm-hmm. having some dexterity games on hand means that they're still playing games but you're kind of meeting them where they're at because especially i mean are you are the kids going to be like coming like to this like as a class or is it you could have anybody any given week i could have anybody any given week okay so the good news is if they like it they'll probably come back so that's good. Um, but so having stuff on hand that you can do, um, like Haba games are great. Um, you know, Animal Upon Animal. The nice thing about that game, too, I mean, the animals are cute, but that game is nearly indestructible with the wooden animals. True. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would definitely have on hand familiar games because you – because. And that way you can look at tackling, you know, one group. Okay, I'm going to teach you a new game. This one's really cool. This one's called Hey, That's My Fish. And you've got little penguins. Aren't they cute? Oh, my gosh. What color do you want to be? I want to be yellow. What? All right, fine. You're yellow. Get bit. Get bit's hilarious, you know, <laughs> um, as they pull the little legs off and stuff like that. Have a copy of Stratego on hand, you know. So having on hand those kinds of games um, – in addition to ones you buy, because then or the ones you bring, because then once you start, you know, kind of edging in with new games here and there, um, then it's uh, it becomes easier. Kids like, oh, that was fun. What else do you have? And then they're just like wanting everything. And you can work your way up to like bigger, longer stuff. But the other thing too, the nice thing about playing, you know, shorter games is if the game isn't working, well, the good news is it's not going to last very long. Right. Just and just a couple <laughs> other suggestions that I play with my kids. Um, that have maybe some familiar elements. Well, the first one I can think of is Wonky, which is kind of wonky. like Jenga and Uno at the same time. Hmm, okay. Um, you're, you're basically trying to play cards and, and use cards and get rid of them to win the game. Uh, but you're also building up this tower of blocks, but the blocks aren't exactly square. There's some rounded edges and 
there's three different sizes and the cards tell you which color to use and which block to use. It's, it's a neat little game. You should definitely check that one out because even my, my five-year-old can play that one. Um, but then uh, Dr. Eureka is also very simple and there's kind of different levels you can play at. Like Dr. Eureka is fun for little kids and adults as well. I can't tell you how many times me and my gamer friends have played that and just freaked out on each other about you know trying to be the first one to to get the potion right um but then also camel cup or camel up however however it's actually said i think (laughs) but that's a good one um and like kathleen mentioned play something that's relatively short you know camel cup plays about 25 30 minutes um relatively straightforward uh -hmm. you know betting wagering game although that might be frowned upon with certain ages or Mm -hmm. um like Magical Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I'm just looking around the room, too. You know, um, Cockroach Poker, that's hilarious. Um, it's a good bluffing line game. I always, you know, always like it when I, you know, tell the kids, okay, well, we're going to practice our lying skills. And um, actually, the other thing I have um, on the, a different page on my website, uh, Recommended Games, which is exactly what it sounds like, um, but those are games that I've played really well with kids at different ages. Um, and so like kind of looking over that might give you some ideas too, in terms of like what to pack, what to bring. Um, honestly, Oh God, this is a, such a simple little game, rumble in the dungeon or, um, Cthulhu in the house. It's a uh, Simon now, but literally on your turn, you can either move or you can fight. You know, it's really, really simple. And I have kids who play that game all the time because who you are, um, you have two different characters that you, that are yours, but you can move any of them and your character's identities are secret. It's really, really simple. And the kids can just play it. Rhino Hero is another really good one because that combines, you know, dexterity along with a little bit of strategy, you know, and then like building their tower up really high is super cool. So, um, I would uh, consider looking at some of those too. So thinking about games that, you know, you know, where you've got games they can play, you know, without you. And then as you introduce them to more and more games, then, you know, it'll become more sustaining over time for sure. Cool. And I already had some of those on my list. So that's excellent. I didn't have uh, rumble in the dungeon or Dr. Eureka. So, or Mm -hmm. wonky actually. So I've added them to the list. Cool. Excellent. So your next question is a fun one. Um, I teach middle school. Kevin teaches high school. So go ahead with number two. All right, number two. I'd like a phone-free room. Am I being a tyrant? <laughs> I don't want to stall. I want don't want games to stall because one to two people at the table never know when it's their turn or what's going on. How do I set the expectation of no phones without instantly alienating a teenager or an adult for that matter? Mm-hmm. Well, the adults are going to do whatever they want. <laughs> P.S. Adults are going to do whatever you want. Done. Because they're more important than you are. You, you just don't even know their lives, okay? Kids, you do have some more control over. Kevin, what do you do? Well, I try to make the expectations pretty clear, especially during uh, instructional time. I, when I'm teaching the games, I say, listen, put the phones away. Give me 10 minutes or whatever, depending on the game. Uh and, and listen, and just give them opportunities to interact. When I'm teaching a game, I like to make sure that I explain a couple of rules and say, all right, do you guys have any questions about the game? Or do you, do you have anything that you're unclear of yet? Generally that, well, what about this? And then you go, oh, I was just going to talk about that rule. And 
and that sort of thing, but trying to make it so that it's not just 15, 20 minutes of straight instructional time, uh, teaching time, uh, tends to help. And yes, kids, especially high school kids are addicted to their technology. Um, they, they, they just are, but generally if you set the expectations in advance and say, this is what I expect, this is what I would like and explain to them why, then they'll generally acquiesce at the beginning until they start to become more comfortable around you. And then they'll know exactly what they can and cannot get away with. And they'll push the boundaries. And, but I don't think you're being a tyrant at all. I think yeah, it's just about expectations. Too, yeah. Um, Cause the thing is, is kids are used to having rules set down by adults on when they can and can't do stuff, use them. And so you saying no phones is not something that will be unfamiliar to them. A library is enough of an academic setting where it probably won't be too far of a stretch of the imagination um, as far as that goes. Um, my approach, if I was being simplistic about like how I try to work with kids, I call it the three F's, a firm, fair, and fun. You know, I just, I, I think it's important that you set boundaries with kids, but you can do it in a way that's not draconian. You can say, you guys, we're all here. We're going to have a great time. Um, we're going to play a bunch of games. I'd like to go over a few things with you guys. So you know what's good with me. And if you guys have any questions, and then after that, we're going to play games. You know, I mean, one thing that I always make sure my students know is um, all the games that I have in my classroom are mine. I don't have school buy me games. So if I just, if I'm done, when I walk out the door, I drag 300 something games out the door with me. Um, and so that way, when the kids are like, if I see them, you know, being hard or banging the cards, like, look, that's my stuff. You know, that's not somebody else's. You're literally like, you don't mean to come into your house and throw your stuff around. Well, you know, be gentle with my stuff. I mean, the one thing with games, though, with kids is stuff will get broken, stuff will get lost. You know, the magical mo moment of the night at the end when everybody's like on their hands and knees crawling around looking for pieces, you know, should definitely happen. Um, but that's... uh but that's part of it. You know, like if you have kids play games, I wouldn't bring out anything really like amazing that you would be really, really sad that you couldn't replace. You might want to see too, if the library has some sort of policy um, as far as what, you know, they will replace if like a game something, you know, or even just kind of walks out one night and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I brought something in. I was, my back was turned and that game is gone now. You know, you might want to see if there's um, what their policy would be. I'm, I'm, you know, you'd hope that they'd be cool with that, but just to double check. Um, the way that I do my game club is um, when I have all the kids come in, I have them all sit down, I get, get their attention. And that's important because you don't ever want to be like chasing the tail of the dragon. You know what I mean? You want to get their attention, have everybody look at you and you're like, cool, thanks so much. Let's get going. Um, just to kind of show in a very nice way, but a firm way that you are the one running the show and you are the gatekeeper to fun. Um, and so then I explain that we're going to, I put kids in games and that we don't leave anybody out. So, you know, if I, if I'll say like, you know, like here's the game that I want to teach this week, I'm going to be at this table. I tell them a little bit about it. Um, and then I say, who wants to play this game? And kids that raise their hands, I say, okay, come sit here. Always leave the boxes closed until everybody's in a game. And then in my club, I'll say, okay, who has a the game they want to play? 
Someone will say a game. Who else wants to play that? If enough hands go up, I say, okay, you're going to be at this table. You're going to play this game. And then we just kind of go around till I have like a few little stragglers. I bring them all over to me at the game closet, whatever. I get them in a game and then off they go and they play. So it's a very controlled way of getting kids in games and especially like not leaving kids out because... You know, that's something that kids can freak out about. And I pulled up my other little game rules here um, that are online, but just to go over. Uh, one, play nice, win nice, lose nice. Everyone cleans up and always check the floor. Um, no quitting unless everyone wants to quit. So somebody's like, I don't, and this is probably what you'll see the most. Um, if somebody's losing or they don't understand and they want to do that. So we're going to come back to that one. Um, food and drinks are far away from games. Um Let's see, don't ever put game boxes on the floor, you know, quietish little voices. And the funny thing is, is in my game club, I'd always try to tell the kids, you guys, it's like a library. Well, you know what? They're used to just be like talking and doing whatever in our library. So I say, okay, you guys, it's like gaming church. And they get that. <laughs> so then they'll be like, okay, so gaming church. Um, expectations I do have the rule, no talking to the changed. person whose turn it is. That, makes, that way people can make their own decisions. I would not even think about throwing that out there. Um and once you kind of get that sort of set, it's a really, you know, like by providing that kind of don't be afraid to provide structure because otherwise they're going to come up, grab your stuff and it's going to go all over the place, you know, so <laughs> don't do that, you know, so just like explain very clearly what's going to happen. You are the gateway to fun. There's always something they're going to want more than you. That's where your key is there um, and do that. But so but Kevin, let's talk about um, what happens when kids don't want to play the game anymore, what do you do? What happens with you? What, hap- what do you do with your kids? That's always a tough one um, because sometimes they don't want to play the game because they're losing. Sometimes they don't want to play the game because they just don't understand. Sometimes they're just having a bad day. Um, so trying to get them to at least hang out for the duration and say, Hey, I understand that you don't like this game. You don't understand this game, whatever. But if you quit now, then you've got three or two or however many other people around here that you're going to dampen their experience. So I think if everybody's not enjoying themselves, then I say, all right, well, let's stop this and we'll find something else to play. Uh, When it's in class, it's a little bit different for me. Um, but when I'm just out at the library teaching games or whatever, I definitely don't want the group to not enjoy themselves because you want them to come back. Like our, our whole point of being out involved in the community is to build the gaming community. So Mm -hmm. we want to give people positive experiences. So maybe it's just a matter of clarifying some rules because they don't understand what's going on and they're playing the rules wrong and it seems unfair or whatever the case may be. So that's probably the first thing I try to do is figure out why. Don't they want to finish? And if it's everybody, then it's okay. Well, then we'll pack it up. We'll try something else. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, you just kind of have to acknowledge the fact that they're not enjoying their experience and, and say, okay, well, let's try to figure out why. And if we're done with this game, then we're done with this game. We'll try something mm-hmm. else. Let's, and yeah. then just go completely opposite, right? Like change the theme, change the mechanics, change the expected time play, like a game length, just give them something completely different and say, well, let's try this one. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, you know, 
I would say, especially for the first few, you know, when you're teach like teach games to kids, but don't actually play them. Right. You know, so that way, if you need to step away for a second, then you can do so. And the kids, once they know what they're doing, they can play without you. Um, you know, when you have a kid who, you know, is quitting all of a sudden, like uh, there's obviously a reason, you know, it's one of the ones we talked about. They're losing. They don't understand. Um, <laughs> they're, they're not used to getting their way. I mean, whatever it could be, you know. And so sometimes, you know, talking to kids, like say, what's going on, buddy? Like what happened? You know, um, and, you know, sometimes you can get them to tell you, you know, well, so-and-so took my, touched my piece or so-and-so took my turn or, you know, they yelled at me or whatever. You know, there's all kinds of things that kids can say on any given time, you know. And so the nice thing, too, is, I mean, so sometimes just talking to them, coming back, bringing the kid back into the game and say, okay, well, let's play. I'm going to hang out with you guys and, you know, let's see what's going on. And so, like, have them take their turn, encourage the hell out of them or the heck out of them since these are children. Um, <laughs> and uh, just encourage them to keep going, encourage them to keep playing and, you know, try to get them back in. Now, if you have a kid who is not happy and they're making everybody else not happy and they don't want to play anymore, um, the good news is you are at a library. And there are all kinds of very, very cool books that they could read, they could look at. You know, um, you could let them look at your games. I would just keep an eye on them because sometimes one child and 20 boxes of games equals, you know, 20 games worth of stuff on the floor. Um, but I would do that. You know, having some art supplies, paper, markers, maybe a little bit like, hey, well, here's some dice. Why don't you make draw, draw your game? Can then I'll play? Then can I please play your game with you? <gasps> You're going to let me play it? Okay, cool. You know, and so get them to like make do something still kind of game related, you know? Um, and then when you play their game, like, oh, wow, every time I roll, I lose five t- places and you go up three. Cool. This is like that game, Magical Athlete. Just kidding. Um, really. um, <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar with Magical Athlete, look it up. It's ridiculous. I just spent 50 bucks on it. But side note. Um, so anyway, so yeah. So, I mean, I would just say just like when you have kids and sometimes, you know, like, buddy, is this just not your thing? Is this not for you? Well, you know what? That's okay. Let's just take take a break today, you know, read a book, and then we come back next week and try again. You know, what kind of, what do you like? Do you like monsters? Do you like, you know, think of some games that you have that, you know, do you like penguins? I love penguins. Okay. I've got one that's called, Hey, That's My Fish. After you guys are done playing that one, can I teach you this one? Because it's got these really cute little penguins in it, you know? So... You know, that can um, just like little way, you know, just you just you, you, they're little people. You just talk to them a little bit and just try to like manipulate them, manipulate them gently with love. <laughs> you're you're so a middle school teacher. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just, you, just, you couldn't get away with half of that stuff with a high school kid. But <laughs> I, you know what? I coach high school. I used to teach high school fancy pants. I can know how to talk to a high school kid. I'm doing it right now. Thank you very much. But but actually, but the one thing I will say, though, is in the summers, um, I teach um, at this elementary camp. And that's really because my classes, kids don't have the option to, like, bug out on a game. So, like, all of this is drawn from when I've worked with elementary school kids in a summer camp program. And there especially, the emphasis is on fun. And if a kid's not having fun, what can I do? I don't need to, like, placate them. I don't need to, like, give them the world. But I want to. Ha- I want them to leave thinking that this is, like, some kind of positive experience as much as I can. So this is one especially like it's it's really interesting. And this is why I, I work at this summer camp, because it really makes me like 
actually teach <laughs> because <laughs> I teach middle school gifted kids. My kids are really, really smart. I can throw an idea out there, very little explanation. They can get the idea of it, and then they're often kind of working the idea into making it into their own thing. Elementary school kids, you have to really break things down. You know, everyone sit at the chair. Okay, let's let's all take op- open our boxes right now, you know? And so... Yeah, all of these little conversations that I'm having are based on when I work with little little elementary kids. And it's a good thing because I'm so used to being able to just like throw stuff out to my guys that when I've got all these tiny little bodies, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I actually have to like teach them step by step incrementally. So. But thank you for the compliment, Kevin. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I love your laugh. All right, Miss Adrian, what else can we do? All right, so what length of game should I shoot for for first-time gamers in the 12 years to adult age range? 30 minutes tops. Yep. And, and even shorter if you can. If you can get a copy of Love Letter and get it done in five minutes, even better. You want to get them just going. You, I mean, I, I love, 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 love 60-minute, 90-minute two hour, four hour games. Like I just, I love Show big, off. huge games, but beginning gamers don't. Uh, that's the reason why people don't like Monopoly is because it's a game that when they play it, it never ends. And they go, it's so boring. It goes out forever. <laughs> so it's not supposed to true, but definitely shoot for less than a half an hour per game. Um, you can get, I think that's why the games that tend to go over best, not even in my gaming class, but I play games in all of my classes. Like, hey, it's Friday and we just took a quiz and we have 30 minutes left. Let's play games. Uh, So games like Coup and Resistance and Avalon and Number Nine and these short... Deep Sea Adventure from Oink Games. Definitely a top, top game. Deep Sea Adventure. Yeah, like just half an hour is what I would go tops. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Okay, I was gonna because like um, Ticket to Ride, I was gonna take for obviously people that have played something before, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. um, just to kind of get them introduced to that. But I think that's that's a little long then. Well, the thing is, is you could easily carry your whole game closet or shelf or room with you, that's and not that's easy, not but really yeah. functional. It's <laughs> not really feasible, and you don't want to do that. Um, but. Um, I think it, there is something about having like really well known. Like I think it's pr- honestly probably fine to have a copy of Ticket to Ride. I think it's a probably great idea to have a copy of Catan um, because like think of the most common games that people who aren't really gamers but have probably had some exp- Forbidden Island. They sell that at Target. If they sell it at Target. I would say you could probably bring that as a backup game. Yeah, Forbidden Island, for sure. I mean, God, they were even selling that at Walmart for a while, you know? Um, so I would ha- I would bring some of those games with you um, because I think uh, if they know how to play it and they're like, oh, I know how to play that. I'm like, oh, would you teach that? Can you teach that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly you know? And then they, they're kind of off and running. So yeah. that can be really helpful, too. Sweet. Good. Because you'll so, be surprised. Yeah, I don't have to buy too much then, so that's good. Actually, my uh, my game store is going to let me borrow some stuff uh, from our from our library at my FLGS. So oh, that's, hopefully that's awesome. I won't have to outlay too much money, but it'd be worth it. And I have a backup plan for if I decide, oh, my God, I'm never doing this again. And that's to give it to our um, Ronald McDonald house. Oh, that, that's cool. Uh, 
serves St. Jude here. Yeah. So, so my list of fast, uh, the, the games I introduced uh, my students to gaming with, like where they get hooked, um, Deep Sea Adventure. Last year, I had a kid say, um, on the very first day of school, I you know they come in. I'm like, hey guys, how you doing? Okay, here's the game. We'll, we'll talk more later, but we're just gonna play games. Like I just get them playing games from the very very start. And I had this kid play Deep Sea Adventure. And as he's walking, I was like, what was the name of that game? And I said, Deep Sea Adventure. He said, that's the best game I've ever played. And I was like, well, and today is the first day, buddy. <laughs> like, it's only going to get better. Um, so my fast games that I teach to my kids to get them like hooked and in, Cthulhu in the House, Deep Sea Adventure, um, it's a Powerpuff Girls game that is out of print called Villains at Large. So ignore that. Hey, That's My Fish, Age of War. Uh, King Domino, eh, that was a new one this year. Kids aren't too sure if they love it. I don't think they do, but we'll try it again next time. Uh, Suro and Get Bit. And I've got, Excellent. there's lots of other games, but oh, Sushi Go. Yeah, I got to pick up Party. I got rid of mine, but I've been meaning to buy that anyway. So darn, I have an excuse to buy another game that I'd want. <laughs> right. So. Santorini. That's a good one. Now, granted, it, it, it's a low player count one, um, and you want might want might want might want a higher player count. Um, but Santorini is a good one as well. I mean, there's so many you know that you could have, um, but I would say that Kevin's right. Looking for ones that can accommodate like a good number of players. If it can go to six, Skull, the betting bluffing game, Skull. You know. Yeah, I'm actually looking at that on my shelf, and I was like, you know, I mean, I'm in the Bible Belt, but uh, I think I think I could do this. <laughs> well, you know, just you can always get like some playing cards, you know, and true. and then just you know give them each like a different number, you know, and then you know have them, and then the the spade is or, well, don't do the spade as the X or the skull, you know, the heart or whatever. Make an X on one of them or something like that, you know. And you don't need to tell them that it's a drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what do you think about, like, so I'm, I'm planning for this to take off. They're very excited about it. Like, mm-hmm. they're ridiculous. It was. Yeah, and oh, you do know it's going to go fine, right? can you right? go to the next ones? And uh, how do you feel about going into the schools? And I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, this is great. Um, so what do you think about doing kind of like a, a breadcrumb trail? Like, so we start people with coup, and then maybe you go to, like, Mysterium or Deception and kind of just kind of keep a keep a common thread and kind of keep going along the. I like that. The so trail like, into kind of like, like the, more complicated If you like games. this, then you should try this type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, um, that's not bad. I would I would probably say not deception because the content is wildly inappropriate. Um, I played one game and like literally it was like the best house party ever. If I was in the like 1990s and I was young and single and had lots of, anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah. And the one, and the other thing too, like, and Mysterium is kind of cool, but that one to me is a little bit long, you know, um, I get the idea though of like grouping them sort of thematically, but I would kind of hold off on that idea, you know? Oh yeah. Not for the first time, but I mean, like, I'm, like I said, I'm planning for it to take off. And mm-hmm. then if I get, if I keep seeing those same faces, it's like, Oh, well you, you guys really liked coup and you liked mm-hmm. werewolf. And how about, you know, you try, the game or, you know, just kind yeah. of just Ooh, the good one. one of the common threads, yeah. you know, and just kind of leading them on so that they know they can keep looking for things. And then even t- like, okay, well, this is a social deduction game mm-hmm. or this is a bluffing game. You know, so when you're looking at the back of boxes, now that these are all over uh, Target and, and everything and Amazon, you know, you can find games that you're going to like. Yeah. I had a really good thought and I lost it. Um, 
Yeah, no, I think that's good. Oh, I remember. The other thing I was going to say is um, it's absolutely okay to have kids play games more than once. You know, Mm -hmm. if they like a game and they want to play it again, cool. If they come in the next week and they want to play it again, and then, I mean, this year, every year, there's some game that kids just want to play over and over and over again. It's the mix of the kids. It's the game. It's whatever it is. This year has definitely been coup. Yeah, Um, me too. Yep, and good news, Koo can go to, what, six? Yep. You know, and it's fast, so other kids can learn it by watching, and then they can jump in and play it. So if you've got kids who have favorites, you know, you want to kind of push – I mean, and and I have taken games home and hidden them far, far away from my kids. And, you know, Spotted and Exploding Kittens and a couple other ones will never, ever see the light of day in my classroom again. Because they're games I think they're fine to play, but after a while, like, over and over and over again, like, there's other stuff. Like, don't be afraid to, like, ghost some games if you feel like they're like, oh, man, I didn't bring that today, but let's try something else, you know? Oh, okay. You know, so don't be afraid to do that, too. But if they want to play games over and over again, you know, that's totally fine to do. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you can always have kids... um, Make up variations on games, too. Like, Clue was my favorite game. And the worst part about Clue is, you know, rolling the dice and, you know, slowly plodding around the board. So when I play Clue with kids, we don't roll we don't roll the dice. They go to the room they want. They move the person they want. They move the weapon they want. And it, you know, so it goes a lot faster. And they really start to, like, build up their clues and deduct. And you can even easily turn that into more of a co-op, you know, version if you wanted to, too. Um so, you know, let them, yeah, but let, you know, play around with the rules. Let them come up with their own rules for games. The one thing I would say is, you know, when they're playing games to make sure that they know not to change the rules in the middle of the game or that everybody has to agree or otherwise if everyone doesn't agree, then you play with the existing rules because you'll have some crafty little demons who want to, you know, of course, you know, say, oh, no, this is how we're going to play it. And then everyone's like, okay. And it's obviously slanted <laughs> in that kid's favor. You know, another thing you you just mentioned, Kathleen, that I think could go a long way, especially with new gamers, because most people who haven't played hobbyist games have don't realize it, is that there is this thing called co-op. Most people, when they're playing games, are just playing one versus all, as opposed to, hey, let's work on this together. And I find with my students, when they play pandemic or castle panic or shadows over camelot for the first time like wow i didn't even know anything like this existed this is like my favorite game of all time because i'm working with my friends and we're working together to accomplish this goal and oh my gosh did you see when when we did this and we figured Mm -hmm. out this puzzle and i think that can go a really long way to get people into the hobby a little bit too so uh, i know i I totally agree because, well, my first night of gaming, I played Pandemic. As first night ever to meet up, I played Pandemic and then Cash and Guns. So that was like, (laughs) this is like the best thing I've ever played. So I would not suggest Cash and Guns, uh, but definitely Forbidden Island um, because that's a really good one, obviously, is the stripped down version. But the other one, and this isn't co op, but um, Code Names is a good one because mm-hmm. that can take pretty b- big groups and still keep it fun and interesting for everybody who's playing. Um, so I would do that. But the nice thing about code na- about not code names, uh, the nice thing about co-op games is, you know, it takes the pressure off. It takes the sting off losing because if you lose, well, we all lose. Yep. You know, if you win, yay, we all win. So they don't have to walk out feeling like, you know, everybody was looking at me because I lost the game. And 
you and I know that's not real, but to them, it's a very real feeling, the invisible audience. And, you know, that kind of stings a bit. So yeah, co-op games are great for that. Um, I mean, cockroach poker is a game where one person loses and everybody else wins, like in Jenga, you know, and that's kind of funny too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about trying to kind of push the, the envelope and what I can sort of put together mm-hmm. um, because they they haven't had anything like this in my area before, which is part of why the library system is so excited about it. Uh, doing things like, you know, parents and kids and trying to get into that younger group, but it's trying to teach basically the parents things like the Haba games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they can have game nights with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an idea I had. And then maybe doing like a co-op, all co-op night or, um, and that, that sort of thing, just kind of theming different, yeah. different things and announcing the themes mm-hmm. so that, you know, if somebody is identified from these kind of survey courses, <laughs> survey teachings, um, you know, what they like, they know they can come and, and play a bunch of stuff they like. Yeah. No, I think that sounds good. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, always ask the kids, you know. Always ask the kids what they think, if there's anything in particular, you know, if, if they want to have any kinds of like, you know, crazy nights like that, you know, um, you know, bring them in too, because the more you've got them invested, you know, involved in that decision making process, the more, you know, buy in you're going to see from them overall. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's very true. And if I guess too, asking them what they like, and especially like what games they liked that they played today kind of thing, and kind of trying to take a survey of what not like a physical survey, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like trying to find out what went over well and what didn't. That's, you know, excellent for planning the next thing in the next place and that sort of thing, as well as if the library does want to start pulling games in, you know, I'll have something to tell them. It's like, yeah. oh, they liked these three. But you could but, do an yeah, exit slip, though, too. You could, you could easily just have like a one or two question slip of paper say hey on your way out just fill this out. I want to know what you liked, what you didn't like, and have that actual data as opposed to, you know, having anecdotal data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, and having that, too, can give you a lot of, um, you know, it helps the library probably justify the program, too. If the kids are rating the program really highly, they can, you know, say to their powers that be, hey, we've got this, and this is going really well, and we want to expand this or do whatever. Yep, all of that is a good thing. People love an, an education. They love data. Mm-hmm. They love data. That's excellent. <laughs> they uh, So this year's theme for their summer stuff, their summer programs, is music and next year is space they've already laid that on me because they're excited about that and i'm like well like half of the board games ever are made about space so this is perfect right so i guess they'll uh they're looking forward to kind of getting the board game stuff into the um like pre-planning it into the summer curriculum for next year mm-hmm. yeah music will be a little tougher but space yeah we can, we can take care of space no problem yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to take um Oh my gosh, the name of the, the game that looks like the long Simon Says board that you put the cards on and the music plays. Drop Mix. Oh, right. I'm hesitant to take Drop Mix to a library. Oh my gosh. They'll love <laughs> but it. But it would be awesome and it fits the theme. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll love it. Well, cool. Is there any other question we could answer for you, Miss Adrian? You know, I think I think you guys have covered it pretty well and you're making me feel better about it, which is great. Oh, you're yeah, going to be I mean, awesome. I know it'll, I can teach the game. It'll be way, way easier than you think it's going to be. It's going to be... Difficult and challenging, but once you get into it, you're like, oh, I got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. It's going to be great. Excellent. 
Yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. I know a lot of my apprehension comes from not having kids and, um, I've, I mean, I babysit for friends and I, you know, yeah. engage with their children and I've gotten friends, kids into games, which has gotten the entire family into games, which is great. But it's, it's that weird space of, especially discipline wise. Mm-hmm. And that discipline's a strong word for what I'm talking about. Yeah. But even asking someone else's child not to do a thing is, is an uncomfortable area. So for me. when I first started teaching, it was really hard to tell kids no, you know, like, okay, I'm so, you know, and now I'm just like, no, you will not do that thing. You will put that thing down. You'll go back and sit down. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know that I'm looking at you right now. No, you know, I mean, like, I mean, when I say something like that, obviously there's probably a little injection of humor in there, but sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's like, you're not going to do this. And the thing is, is don't be afraid to set boundaries because the thing, because kids need boundaries. When kids don't have boundaries, they are running the show and they are not comfortable with that and they do not want that you know um they giving kids boundaries gives them a safe a sense of safety and security even when it's just like we're gonna sit we're not gonna you know run around the room if you would like to go to the bathroom of course you can just please let me know right you know that sort of thing so you can but don't the whole like i'm going to be telling people you know people's kids what to do like parents want you to have control over their kids they want you to be able to like you know maintain discipline so that um you know, it's not just a whole big, giant, chaotic mess. Don't worry about that, honestly, because, you know, if you're there for them, you you have to provide them safety and security or otherwise everything else doesn't matter. Yeah. And confidence. Don't let them see you be scared. Right. <laughs> No, it's, you know, you're like children are like wolves, right? Like I have that right. Yeah. I mean, and I screw up all the time. And a lot of times too, like when you're losing with kids, like if you're playing game and you're not doing well, you're like, you know, that's how you model. Like, ah, man, you're going to beat me, aren't you? All right. Well, I'll get you the next time, you know, modeling those things, showing that it's okay to lose, you know, it's great to win, but it's okay to lose because it was fun. You know, that's always just, everything's always, you know, Kevin's probably like laughing at me again. But, you know, honestly, everything can be turned into a positive moment, you know, to help kids understand themselves and their place in the world a little bit better, you know. And sometimes you get kids that are just going to be little stinkers and maybe not the word. Maybe it's a more serious word. <laughs> maybe it's a stronger but, word. But, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, maybe this isn't for them. You know, buddy, here's some books. You know, I don't really want you playing with my games right now because you're being really rough with them. And these are mine. So you're going to sit down and read a book and, you know, that's okay. What? You want to read your book over there? All right. Fair enough. Go read your book over there. You know, power struggles, you know. Whatever. So it's going to be fine. Like, I mean, expect, you know, I think you're doing the right thing, you know, prepare for the worst, but honestly, expect the best. You know, you're playing games with kids. Kids want to learn games. I think by not having too high of expectations in terms of what they can play, have familiar games, introduce them to new games, you know. Um, and I would also, too, as far as the library goes, you know, if there's any way they can cap it, I would say cap it at, you know, if not 12, then 16. You know, once you get more than 20 in there and you don't have any other help, that's honestly, that's probably too much. Yeah. 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 Well, I think this one of the saving graces is going to be they're doing it. Uh, this first one is at 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. So unless somebody's got a parent at home, they're, how are they going to get there is my thing. Right. So. Right. You'll get probably like good amount of like homeschoolers and stuff. That's yeah. cool. 
And we'll start doing evening and afternoon stuff later in the year. So, yeah, How exciting, though. And this is such a good thing for you to do, you know, because one of the hardest things I think about gaming is just access. You know, if you don't know somebody who has the game, then how can you even possibly learn about this? And it's really, you know, it was anxiety, not anxiety, but it was, I was nervous the first, you know, many times, honestly, that I went to meetups because I didn't really know this world. I didn't really know anybody. I'm just kind of there. So, um I think you're doing a good thing by introducing and exposing these kids because you're going to get a few lifelong gamers out of this easily. And just think about how great it is that you're getting them to that point, that point so much earlier in their lives than middle school or high school, you know, something like that. Kevin, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I think Adrian, you, you said something earlier that for what reason I thought of this just now, keep in mind that kids learn through play. So what you're doing right now is going to be teaching them all these things. And I think you, you mentioned earlier about you're eager to um, help kids learn and, and get into the social interaction. And, and or maybe that was you, Kathleen, I don't remember. But kids learn through play. They, they mm-hmm. absolutely do. So they're going to come in and they're going to be playing and they're going to be learning and they're not even recognize that they're going to be learning and it's going to be awesome. So... I think it's amazing that you're doing this. I hope that it goes well. I'm sure it will. And I hope that you can get a couple of people that volunteer to help you out and that the program you know, gets bigger and bigger and bigger because I think it's, it's great what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope I can do it forever. I know I'm, I'm uh, getting some friends together to go to, that, uh, to go to Ronald McDonald House, actually, to teach games there to the families that are... Um, that are staying awesome. and hopefully make that like a regular, regular thing at least once a month. Cool. So, but this way I get to test it on, you know, the unsuspecting normal public before I, before I go. Yeah. You're going to be fine. You're going to be totally, totally fine. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You, you hate it and you quit. Hey, you were volunteering anyway. Huzzah. It's true. You know, <laughs> going to be fine. Well, that wraps up um, an episode of Games in Schools and Libraries. Thanks for listening in. Um, Adrian, where can people find you on social media? I am on Twitter at Dreadful Games Co. and uh, Instagram as Luxley Graham. And my website is dreadfulgames.com. Cool. Young Kevin, where can the scamps of the internet find you if they want to find out more? Uh, probably the best way to interact with me is through Twitter. And I am uh, CVJ underscore Kevin on Twitter. Cool. I'm Kathleen Mercury, and you can find me um, at KathleenMercury.com, where I put all of my game design resources for free if you're interested in teaching about them, a recommended list of games, how to run game clubs. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mercury with 7M, so Mercury. And you can also find me on BGG and as Funk Donut, one word. Um, and I post a lot and monitor the games in, uh, games in the classroom forum quite a bit. And this has been another episode of Games in Schools and Libraries. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. You can find out more about Inverse Genius and the people who create the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast by visiting us at inversegenius.com, where we have other great shows such as On Board Games, On RPGs, On Minis Games, and The Room Escape Divas. If you would like to be on the show or have questions, comments, or ideas for episodes, please contact us at schoolsandlibraries at gmail.com. 
and let us know. We do have our episodes booked out for several weeks in advance, so if you have something time-sensitive, you will want to contact us as early as possible. 